Hi guys, quick one before we get into the episode. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster, which is the production suite that I've used from the very beginning of this podcast. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, hang around at the end of the episode for our 30% discount referral code. Thanks. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These these your notes about what we're going to say? Anything is the short answer. (laughs) So how many novels did you not finish? Oh my God, so many. (laughs) It was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. (laughs) You better hear first. We're going (laughs) to... Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie and joining me today is the winner of the RNA's 2022 Joan Hessian Award for New Writers. It's Susie Hull. Hi, Susie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jamie. Thank you very much for having me. Um, It's a pleasure and um, yeah, it's great. Well, thanks for coming on. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. First of all, not only on releasing your debut novel, in this foreign land, but also on, on winning this uh, prestigious award alongside it. Yeah, I know. I, I was um, I was just completely blown away. Um, <laughs> like I just I had no idea I could ever win something like that. So it was absolute huge thrill for me. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Now, whatever your follow-up book uh, mm-hmm. has big shoes to fill. <laughs> oh yes, isn't that the worst thing? <laughs> Yeah, and book two is notorious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I've actually not had a uh, a debut author okay. uh, on for 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 a few episodes now, so um, uh, it'll be fun to go back to some of the older questions that 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 I used to ask. But let's start off by hearing about in this foreign land. What's it? What's it all about? So it's essentially um, a World War One romance. Um, it starts off in March 1914, and um, the heroine heads off to Egypt with her best friend, and she's looking for, for love. She wants to marry for love, and she bumps into an old friend of hers. It's like they're just on the cusp of their romance. World War I happens, they get torn apart. They promise to meet each other again in London, and then um, her Edward is sets off to France and he's listed as missing, presumed dead. Mm-hmm. You know, the the thrust of the novel after that is is what happens to the two of them. A compelling setting for, yeah. a, for a story yeah. and a romance story. I just have always wanted to write a, like a big romance. Do you know what I mean? Like a real tear my characters apart, you know, just yeah, something yeah, that, yeah. you know, really big and, and dramatic and um Obviously, like World War One has just so much. Um, well, any war conflict novel, you know, there's just so much there to yeah. tear them apart. So it just made a good a good setting, I should say. Yes, yeah, yeah. and there's something very grounded about uh, historical settings, yeah. things that really happened. Um, so it's yeah, it always adds some impact, some emotional weight. That yes. kind of setting. So, how long was this story in the making? Oh, a long time. <laughs> a long, long, long time. I um, I probably started it about five or six years ago now. Wow. Um, but um, it was funny, actually, um, a, a, a writer who I would have been in her writing group at, when I first started it, Carmel Harrington, she's an Irish writer. 
she um just last week she sent me an email going look Susie this was the first synopsis she sent me look how far it has <laughs> changed since that and um you know she was always a good mentor to me and I'd sent this first synopsis to her and she'd suggested changes like we got a here there and everywhere but now the actual finished book is just it's there's there's an element still this the the world war one love story is still there and obviously now it is the the only part of the novel but way back when I first started I had great notions of um, a dual timeline and you know in a contemporary um, relationship as well and and all of that just changed you know just gone so is this the first book or the story you've ever written um no not not written just published just published right yeah. right 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 yeah. but th- this one is the one that you've been working on for the past five ish years yes yes yeah it went through um gosh I, I don't know how many different um versions of it um but it was really <laughs> only it nearly got um it got quite a bit of interest I nearly thought I was going to um be signed up and then they they changed their mind and they suggested um that actually could I go away and rewrite it as pure historical with just the the World War One love story mm. um um when I had come so close at that point I was like oh um <laughs> and you know and I was that fed up I thought oh goodness me so I just put it away and I tried something else um and then of course um that's when we hit COVID and the lockdown mm-hmm. and I I actually then had the time to go back to revisit it and um, I tried again and I thought oh do I want to do it dual narrative to you know what do I want to do but once I started working again um, yeah the it just it the the World War One love story that was that was it and once I'd once I'd got it right back to that and figured that whole love story out, um, that was what worked. So it was worth it. Yes, it, it, it definitely was worth it yeah. in the end. Yeah. So you mentioned that you've written other things before. Are you? Is your approach to writing very much you you really love an idea and you will stay with that idea for for a long, long time? Or was that just with this one? Um, no, that would be true actually. Because before I wrote this one, um, I so I actually first took I just sort of felt I wanted to write um it was actually a good about 26 years ago and my oldest daughter was a baby and I was at home and I was a bit lost I suppose you know um I live over here in Northern Ireland but I didn't grow up here all my family are in England and she was a baby I was at home and I just needed something you know to fill my time and I just started writing bits of stuff so um I started this I started a novel and it would have been I suppose I was quite influenced by Maeve Benchy so that was a big it's a big novel and it took me um probably 15 years to finish it wow yeah <laughs> um and that was the first novel that I submitted to the RNA's new writing scheme for mm-hmm. new writers but I mean it was you know it took like years and years and years and and you know, but again, I just kept at it, and I, I think you, I think new writers have to finish their first book. I think you just have to work through that whole process so yeah. you learn how to do it. Um, and then once I'd written that one, I then um, 
that must have been about about eight years or so now. That was when I first submitted that. Then after that, I wrote um, a Christmas one and submitted that to the New Writers Scheme. And I've written, um, I've written a couple of other books. Um, I think, yes, I always quite have wanted to write for Mills and Boone. And I wrote um, medieval Mills and Boone style um, books, but I never got picked up with Mills and Boone. But I've always, I mean, apart from the, the Maeve Benchy style family saga, it generally has been um, my first love would be historical fiction because that's what I read. That's what I would pick up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it really sounds like you've been you've been knocking on the publishing door for for a long time now. Yeah. Was that through sort of various avenues? Were you? Did you sort of have you submitted to agents? Have you done competitions? Have you written yeah. directly to publishers and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So whilst I was um, just sort of messing about with that first very long drawn out novel which my <laughs> my first reader very kindly said she described it as a bit like um, a cardigan that had got like it just sort of enlarged in the wash and it just needed to <laughs> cut down cut down but um mm. it was a probably was it about eight eight years ago when I I just thought no I really 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 want to do this and I I joined two things. One was the um, the RNA, so that's the Romantic Novelists Association, their new writers scheme, which is a fabulous um, system to um, to join um, because every year then you can submit through their scheme. You can submit a, a a full novel if you've got one, and even if you don't have a full novel, you can submit a, a partial, and then they have um, readers who will, they try and match you up with the best reader for your genre that you're writing in. And um, and they read your novel and then they send it back with all the comments and um, advice on how to make it better. And they'll explain which things you're doing well, which things you could, you know, focus on. Um, so every year, you know, you, you get this like brilliant feedback that um, you just wouldn't get Otherwise, well, you would if you paid an awful lot of money for it. And um, the, the, one of the great things about the New Writers Scheme is, you know, it doesn't cost that much. It, it's affordable for a lot of people. And even if you, you're somebody who's really keen and you do want to write, they, um, you know, there've been a lot of years when they've had bursaries if you can't afford to do that. So the New Writers Scheme for me was hugely, hugely key for me. Now, and the other thing I did was I started... Um, just trying to reach out to people in Ireland who were also writers. And I um, connected with, um, as I said, Carmel Harrington. Um, she writes for, um, she writes uh, women's fiction novels and she had a small writing group. And again, so it was through meeting other writers who also wanted to get published. It's just making those connections, finding your tribe, finding other people who want to do the same as you do. And all of that um, support and and just taking it seriously, um, you know. So those two things were key. I also got mentored by Sophie Orm um, through. I don't think it runs any longer. It was called the Woe Mentoring Program. It was really good. Um, and Sophie 
is, I think she's an editorial director, but she mentored me for six months um, when I first started this novel that um, that has been published. But and again, she was a uh, she's an industry professional. She did it for free. She took my basic notes. She gave me feedback, and and it was the first time again that I really felt an industry professional had seen potential in what I was doing, and that it was worthwhile to pursue that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I've heard so many people say that one of the most important steps they made from sort of um, going from being someone who writes as a hobby and going to taking it seriously is getting out there, involving yourself in the community. And as you said, finding your tribe, it's such an important step, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why the, the Romantic Novelist Association has been um, just amazing as well. I mean, even the, the first year that I went to the summer conference and um, I remember I sat on the very first night I got there. Um, I didn't know anybody about apart from one author who I'd come with from, from Ireland. We'd flown in together. And I sat down next to Liz Fennick at the dinner uh, and I was like, oh, it's Liz Fennick. Uh, I was like, wow, this is just amazing. And she was so nice and she, we would still see each other um, and she's just so lovely. And, you know, and she, you know, it, we, you find that within the writing community that, that the um, older writers who have um, more books published, you know, they are so supportive and they do help um you know and encourage um the new writers to to keep going so yeah it's brilliant that's I mean that's exactly it because it's it's one of those things where a lot of them had that support when they were kind of getting into the industry so the way to sort of pay it back is that they want to be there to support uh up and coming younger authors um yes absolutely yeah absolutely I know yes and and I you know I would always try and do the same thing, even though I don't have much experience yet. But um, yeah, it's just encouraging people and and um, being um, showing them different opportunities and encouraging them to, for example, join the new writers scheme. Because yeah. if anybody's listening, that's a great <laughs> a great thing to join. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. Or just anything that the RNA is doing. That's a really really good organisation. Um, yeah, I was actually lucky enough to have Liz has been on the podcast before. I so, know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's uh, she's such a lovely person who so, has such a sort of generous mindset in terms of giving back to the writing community. That's right. And Julie Cohen, she was on yep. last week with yes. you, I think, as well. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Oh, I've had I've had a lot of the RNA yes. alumni on. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to building your tribe, creating you know that support system around you. Do you have an agent? I don't have an agent have you at the moment <laughs> <laughs> through through the sort of many years that, yeah. that you've been um, pushing to get into to break into publishing have you have you gone through sort of various stages of um, reaching out and submitting to agents um, a good couple of years ago when I thought I could get the dual timeline novel um, published I would have tried agents and publishers and as I said I had a near miss with one publisher I did try agents um, I went to different events maybe where you got a one-to-one with an agent which was really good mm-hmm. but I always just got um, a knockback um, I do remember after one of the RNAs conferences wait for this an agent actually gave me their card and did I follow it up no I didn't because I didn't know who they were 
Uh, yeah, but that's not a good thing to do. If an agent gives you their card, please follow it up. <laughs> yeah. That would have been sensible. But anyway, I didn't. So, um, yeah, I have done agent one-to-ones in the past. Um, and, um, yeah, at the moment, yes, I am definitely looking for an agent. So you are in the market? I am in the market, uh, yes. open to an agent yes. at the moment? Yes, I am. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. In this foreign land, it's out with um, Orion Dash. Dash. Yeah, yes. So that's their digital imprint. Okay. Okay. So Orion Dash, digital first publisher. Was that, did that come to fruition through a direct um, submission? Um, yes, it did. Because, well, yeah. Yeah, generally it did. Um, again, it was through, um, I got a one to one appointment through. I keep plugging them, the RNA summer conference. It was during COVID and I had a one-to-one appointment with Charlotte Marshall, who is, I, th- I actually thought she was with a different publisher, but anyway, they, they, they tend to move. But she read my submission um, and um, she liked it. I sent it to her in the December of that year. I can't remember which year now, 2020 maybe. Um, and she read it and she really liked it and she says like um I I really love it but I'm going to pass it on to the dash um which is the digital imprint and so that's that's where I got my uh big break got it was it is is, was it a single book deal they just sort of contract that one book or is it a multi do they sort of say oh we'll take two books from you yeah it's a two book deal so oh great so yeah so I have another book um due out this autumn time sometime soon so mm-hmm. so it's called do you want to talk about it i would love to talk about it tell us about it <laughs> oh good oh good right so it's called far across the ocean mm-hmm. okay and i actually picked that title myself which is quite rare because a lot of the yeah. time the publishers change the titles okay yes. so i spent a lot of time thinking about this one and i had but different um, titles, and then I came up with this one, and I I checked, I googled, I checked on Amazon. Was there another book with the same title? And I didn't find one, so I thought, well, that would be good. So it's set in practically the same time slot as the first book in this foreign land. So far across the ocean, the answers to her past and present lie far across the ocean. In 1914, um, it's set in, um, starts off in Bradford and then it moves to Madagascar and then to France. Mm. Um, so it's, um, it's about uh, this, the heroine is Clara. She's been jilted at the altar. And then when that falls through, she's just like, right, no, that's it. I'm done. I'm doing this my own way now. And, she, you know, so it's a real moment that she has to stop and and think what does she actually want to do so she wants to go back to the place where she felt was home for her and where she was happy um and that is back in madagascar and then of course there's always a love story in there as well <laughs> I was and waiting for yeah, the yeah 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 <laughs> oh yeah there's definitely there's definitely a romance because um she is escorted to Madagascar with this very nice Frenchman, and I mean, it's, it's so it's not just about it's not just about a love story this time. It's sort of about um, home. You know, where is your home? What do you how, where do you feel your home is? It's not just 
four walls. It's, you know, where do you feel at home? And it's yeah. also about, um, it's about motherhood as well. Lots of there's different characters in it who all want to be mothers and it's a different, you know, different ways that you can be a mother and not in a way that maybe you thought you would yeah. in the future, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's out later this year, was that? It's out in, um, yeah, I don't have a date for it exactly yet, but, you know, the autumn time sometime. Okay. Okay, great. How exciting. What a, what a year you're having. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. And I'm going to be 51 this year. So it was, it was, you know, it does feel like a standout time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. After so many years of writing, have you got a good sort of routine, a good setup? For your for your writing, um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <A bit> chaotic. <laughs> well, so uh, my day job, I'm a classroom assistant. So mm-hmm. I, um, when school is on, I work um, nine to two every day. Now my family are grown up, um, although there's um, <laughs> quite a few are still working from home. So uh, we, for a long time there, like you, I wouldn't even have had a. You know, the house was never quiet. I mean, you know, they're still here. They're still working. They're in and out. Um, But obviously, they don't need me just the same way when they were toddlers. So, you know, um, I have set myself up in the dining room. I'm on the dining table because (laughs) I need a big space to um, spread myself out. And, and, you know, I have post-it notes and files and research books I I always love I love an awful lot of non-fiction and I would pick that Mm. up and I and I like to have things set around me that I can see that I know um that I was working on and you know I'm not I'm not a person that puts it all in files on the laptop I I need physical things you know to open up and see my notes and things like that um and so I've basically taken over the the dining room really um, wow. And yeah, I know. And, and and basically, then I just write when I when I can, which might be after school if I come home and I'm feeling fresh, or mm. I might need a, a nap, which happens quite a bit. Yeah, naps yep. are good. Naps are good. Um, so it could be at the weekend. I mean, obviously, if I've got edits, you actually have to get that done. Um, but I mean, school holidays are great for getting fresh words down you know so Mm -hmm. that's what I'm doing at the moment um and you know and it it is it is I am very lucky working in a school that I do have so much free time I suppose yes are there any sort of writing uh tips or strategies that you wish you'd discovered many years ago when you sort of first started taking writing seriously I think I read all the books that ever exist on (laughs) how to write okay okay and how to plot Mm. um and in actual fact um it was um I did a book doctor session with Alison May who is really good on things like this um she really helped me fix the last bit of my novel and she says you know I really don't think you actually know your heroine and I was like of course I do of course (laughs) I do but I'd spent so long plotting yeah. That I'd actually forgotten to actually think who my main character was. What would she actually do? And mm. um, once I'd figured, once I'd actually stopped and thought, actually, 
if I was her in that position, this is what I would do. And that was what made the difference for me. So actually really think all these how to write books are great and we, you know, they are really helpful. But actually just stopping um, a minute and thinking really hard about your main character and who, you know, how they drive it and what they're doing in it. And just, just, I know, I know people say it's time and again, but you really, really, really do need to know your characters. Yeah. You got to connect with them on, on an emotional level yeah. so that they're not just um, sort of going down the marked path that you've created yeah. for the story. Yeah. 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 It has to feel authentic. And once you really get that authenticity, I think that's just what lifted it to a different level. Yeah. Well, that's really good advice just to sort of take a step back and yeah. reevaluate what you're doing. Keep it, you need to sort of look at the simple things before you get lost in the weeds of complications and, yeah. and mad schemes. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to really cut, cut it back. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I think I cut, I must have written a good 300,000 words. And, you know, so many times I, I, stopped and cut it right back to 20,000 and set off again. I mean, wow. you know, that whole book just doesn't look like what it started out as, but yeah. you know, I didn't give up. I think that's the main thing. I could have thrown it in the bin, but I just kept going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stopping maybe, but <laughs> Were you cut an entire timeline out of that book? Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. And and every time then I rewrote it, the ending changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you just it just was, you know, just keep going and wait till you really feel it's right. It'll feel right. And, um, you know, yeah, but you just have to be prepared to do that. Don't be thinking that just because you've got to the end, that's it. Yeah. You know, and I think for new writers as well, it's like, it's so scary mm-hmm. thinking they've got to the end and someone tells them to change it. Like, yes. You, yeah, exactly. You, you always need to be open to uh different ideas especially if you're going through a traditional publishing route where you are going to get put with an editor and the editor is most likely going to ask you to change things yeah yeah you can't be i mean there's some things you can die on but at the same time don't be too (laughs) precious either it it depends what you want Mm -hmm. and what i wanted i wanted to get published i mean that was that was very clear to me that's what i wanted yeah and um i I could have gone ahead and self-published the dual timeline one, but I just wanted that affirmation that I was doing it right and, and that yeah. the book was right. Yeah. And, and and when you do work with editors, when you work with publishers, when you work with yeah. agents, they always have the story's best interest at heart. The changes yeah. that they're suggesting, the changes that they're asking you to make yeah. are always to try and get the best out of the story. They're never doing it to try and sort of sabotage you or ruin the story. Yeah, yeah. And it's always the mindset. You, I think it's healthiest to sort of remember that. Yeah. And um, my editor now, Rhea Curian, like even the extra things that she suggested hmm. or in this foreign land, and it was just like, yeah, yeah. That, you know, those, those extra little layers and little tiny things that people wouldn't even know hadn't been there. Yeah. like two months beforehand that just made such a difference mm-hmm. well that's that's a lot of great advice a lot that um people can take from that and um that brings us nicely onto the final question which is as always Susie, if you were stranded on a desert island 
with a single book, which book would it be? Right. So it is Daphne du Maurier's The King's General. Mm, okay. Yeah, I just love it. Um, <laughs> there's so much going on and it has just so many threads in it. And it's romance, but it's not just romance and it's historical. And yeah, <laughs> just lovely. A great, a great choice. And I can just from our short conversation here, I can tell that that really fits you. Historical yes. romance. You, yes. <laughs> it's great that you love your genre. You really yeah. love it. Yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah, it's what it's what I get up for every day. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Susie. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing your experience and, and your writing journey with me and everyone listening. It's been great. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with uh, what Susie is doing, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at SusieHull1. As always, big shout out to the RNA. Definitely check them out if you're looking to involve yourself more within uh, writing communities in the industry. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at RightAndWrongUK or on Instagram at RightAndWrongPodcast. Thanks again to Susie and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for hanging around until the end. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, but aren't really sure what that looks like, I can't recommend Zencaster enough. It's so simple to host, record, and download your podcast with, and it even has a built-in transcription AI. It functions entirely in the internet browser, which means all your guests have to do is click on a link and they'll be brought into the conversation. If you click on the link in the description, you'll get 30% off the first three months. All you have to do is click on the link in the description. Thanks again for supporting the show, and we'll see you in the next episode.